स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू एन एच डी स्मार्ट कास्ट ओरिजिनल एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाई दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिस्निंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country, and we want to learn how to build a unicorn. How do you raise great kids? Well, many times it is by doing something as simple as making kids play outdoors. This was the thesis with which our guest today started and built up a company over a decade and a half. In this episode of Founder Thesis podcast, Akshay Dutt is in conversation with Somil Mazmudar, founder and CEO of Sports Village, and they discuss some amazing concepts like lazy success and how to scale up a serendipitous idea. Here is Somil talking about his time at IIT Mumbai. Otherwise, I think one other two two things that I I felt since you asked about IIT experience, I think is relevant across. One is on the sports side. You know, let me give you a data point. I was in the March. I was selected for a March apartment team, ninth and standard, and then twelfth after twelfth I got into IIT. And I must say, actually, I thought I was the cool dude, right? Because I mean, I did academy, I did sport, I did. I was the Indian champion. And I could not get into the IIT Bombay apartment okay. team at first. Okay, it was very competitive. I could not get into it. That's how good people were, and I thought that I am one of the few cool dudes who is doing cards and sports. And what IIT told me was not really. There are a lot of other people who are able to balance academics and sports and do it better than you. And to me, that was a very interesting insight. That this the rhetoric around sport has been: if you do sport, it's at the cost mm, of right. academics. Yeah. That's not true. That is, uh, in my mind, an excuse that kids are making and parents are letting them make. Because if you really want to do it, think about it. Now you can. You you have enough time to pick up on your academics. That's a pretty good insight, right? And and people are doing it. So so I mean, whenever people tell me that academics sports are academics, I'm I'm like, why? I mean, I've seen the best of best minds, you know, play the best of best sports and still find a balance. Of course, they sacrifice other things, right? Of course, they don't do everything else, but they just pick these two and they are like the well as good as they can be. So it's possible. What we want to do is also hang out with friends, also watch movies, also, 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 and then say, well, actually, my sports are wrong, so my academy is terrible. I don't, I don't buy because the same athlete, same athlete, I'll come to that. The same athlete who is able to work so hard at you know getting a shot right. Getting the run right, getting the technique right. It cannot be that he or she does not have the willpower to apply to this problem of you know correcting a bad problem. It's, it's an application issue. It's not. It's not an ability issue. The, so this is one, which is that you know sports and academics are not uh, you know mutually exclusive. They can both coexist. The second one was really I got exp- I got exposed. Well, three things maybe. Second one was I got exposed to this notion of lazy success. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so so lazy success is you achieve a success but do it with the least effort okay. possible. Are you saying this as a as something to be aspired for, or are you being critical of lazy success? I mean, to you, lazy success is. No, I, I think it's a fantastic thing okay. that you just think you just think so much and so much and so much and find the easiest way to to do the least and achieve the most. Hmm. Okay, which also I think is called path of least effort. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I don't know those words, but yeah, I mean, to me it was just lazy success because I could see people around me. कोई लेक्चर अटेंड नहीं करेंगे कुछ नहीं करेगा सडनली वो इन एग्जाम से दो तीन दिन पहले दो तीन फंडे जो कोर है वो क्रैक मार देगा कि यार ये समझ गया ना तो बाकी तो समझ गया एंड देते उस क्रैक द एग्जाम एंड इट लाइक शिट मैन यू बीन स्टडी द होल ईयर एंड दिस गाय जस्ट स्पेंड लाइक थ्री आफ्टरनून्स तो व्हिच ऑफ कोर्स मींस दैट दे वेरी स्मार्ट राइट बट दे आल्सो एबल टू रियली फोकस ऑन द एसेंस ऑफ द प्रॉब्लम it started they are winging it it started they are gaming the system they really understand better than you but they understood the core very well and you are sometimes just uh, figuring out the periphery so lazy success was was another very inter- interesting thing but i think very often we over glamorize did you master work. it yourself L- lazy success no i'm trying and not yet 
I mean, I, I I try to do it. Sometimes it works. Uh, but the interesting part of late success is what is that you think so much about the problem that you try and do the least effort. So I do to my to to be a bit immodest. I do think that I achieve the same same amount of outcome uh, for success, same amount of outcome with maybe thirty forty percent less effort than everybody else, right? And which is in some sense I think the IIT. Uh, I'm not saying it's exclusive to IIT. I just I just learned it. And the last part is the joy of solving a juicy problem. I think that 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 thing that man, he problem to solve that man. So the last part was is the third part was the joy of solving a really juicy problem. You know. Uh, there used to be this notion called EP, ego problems that we used to use a phrase in IT. That there are we EP only. That is, just to, just to solve, करके रहेंगे. So then you would stay up all night, you would do all kind of stuff, but solve the damn thing. And 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 I think that 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 sense of I don't know what to call it, the sense of I will solve it, and that confidence that you will figure it out. It might take time, but you will figure it out. Just stay at it. Just stay at it. You will figure it out. And that probably has been the reason I'm still in sports village and building sports village for 17 years. Yeah, this problem of getting kids to play and building a good business is such a juicy problem to solve. It's such an important problem to solve. This is worth solving. Why can't I solve it? Hmm. Now let me come back to the business in a more chronological fashion. Um, uh, and I- I'll come back to the same question again. For now, uh, let's. Park this, uh, but I, I want to kind of reach there as you know, as a part of your journey. So, so you know, uh, in IIT, you had uh, like a bunch of insights which you told me about. Uh, why did you uh, then decide to, or again, as you said, it's not always a choice. But why did you uh, pursue an MBA from IIM Bangalore? Like, what? Why not look at working? Yeah. Or- so uh, this is more a career. This is. Yeah, this is more a career conversation, right? Because a lot of the career choices that, that at least uh, we made were really about what we don't want to do. Like in tenth standard, I didn't want to do biology and Hindi, so I took, you know, science. But look, it was really क्या मुझे नहीं करना है, तो not मुझे करना है. My elder brother went to IIT, so I like what the hell I can do with IIT. Do I also? Right? And I, I didn't want to do medicine, so it was very clear that medicine नहीं करना है. I had heard of something called IIT. I had gone and spent a summer with him there. I liked the idea. Hostel when I came out, but so some of the decisions are not really there's a really long term plan and all that. In my first year at IIT, first year, first year, second year, half year, I threw. I realized that this is not what I really want to do. And then it became tricky because you worked so hard to get into <laughs> the institute, and now you're like you don't want to do this, right? And like okay, now what? And that's when I heard about something called management. Okay. There's something on management. This may basically is not engineering. I mean, it's not core engineering, but you learn engineering, right? And it's you know something on marketing and something on finance and so on. And you you work with people and you know I like that. That sounds interesting. <laughs> it was more I don't want to do the engineering. So what else do I do? Because 95 percent or 98 percent of my batchmates did give GRE as I did and went abroad. I and a few other batchmates gave gave our cat and stayed back. It was we are a very small percentage of people who stayed back, so it was really what I didn't want to do of engineering, and 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 CAT management became the next next thing that seemed to make sense. So that more hmm. or less. I guess you must have also discovered that you're good with people because being a sports psyche means a, a lot of uh, uh, dealing with public, dealing with people, kind of work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. Yeah, I don't know. Frankly, us temper how much analysis of these kind of things. A lot of these are post facto uh, analysis. To be fair, as they say, in hindsight, everything is strategy. But uh, you know, at that point, it was just serendipity, just figuring stuff out and saying, "Okay, let's go down this path." But yeah, I mean, it just made more sense. Uh, and uh, in I am Bangalore, you had like the regular kind of an approach that uh, you know most people look at an MBA as a. Like a placement institute uh, that I'm joining this so that I get a good job. So was that your approach also? No, I mean, I yeah, of course we wanted a good job, but uh, I was like, you know, I, I was really impressed with the kind of people that, like I was in IIT, the kind of people who were around me, and, and now suddenly you're getting people who are from a arts background, commerce background, science background, not just engineering background, who are. Tremendously smart, but smart in a very different way. 
ஒர்க்கிங்ஸ்ட்ரீம் and he looked at my resume and uh, he looked at my resume and said something you seem to be getting into these uh, right places but once you are inside those places it's <laughs> not like much because my grades were not very good <laughs> so i was like yeah that's a good observation i don't know maybe it's a personality that you know once i feel ki oh crack mar diya abhi i don't i don't want anything else to prove to anybody else i don't know some of these are you know difficult translations but to your question i was like ha ah, let's let's give it a shot let's uh, and in the beginning your competitor then you realize what the what the hell wrong is a competitor and your father back to my but to your question maybe if i may preempt your question i never thought i'll be an entrepreneur okay. when i was a man not even once not even once i never thought i'd be an entrepreneur i don't think any of my batchmates though now they tell me that we knew you would be an entrepreneur i don't think at that point ஒன் core lessons of integrity and and value and so on i was also very fortunate that the boss my boss who hired me was also i am believe he interviewed me and I, he ended up working with him directly for sure he was very senior to me he should, I, we should have had like three people between us but because we are part of a new initiative i was working with him directly so i learned a lot i learned a hell of a lot in the last in the first two three years and uh, so i spent some time in international marketing uh, business in the first year and a half then i spent some time in domestic sales selling pcs to canara bank in vijay bank back in 1998 1998 and then i was like what's the next when you grow the standard career would be ki tum tho hardware time mein karo then you do software then you go abroad and i was like this is not what i want to you know it just didn't sound i don't know maybe juicy enough like there must be something better and that's when this whole thing of entrepreneurship you know started seeming very glamorous here yeah interesting hai. and i had a few friends or friend of friends who were entrepreneurs so i used to spend time with them ki kya karte ho kaise karte ho and it was very fascinating but i had no clue will i ever quit i i had got married just then uh, so you know so to your question i think it was really a, the reason i quit wipro was there's a why not right as against why why not always makes life not so interesting and why and you know like what right why not is not for expensive not more liberating why is very constraining very that is sometimes like kya hoga nokri chhod doge ek saal karoge nahi chalega to wapas doctor se mili jayegi what what the detail so that was really the way it started and my wife was in good at times so we said theek hai ghar to chalega and see entrepreneurs like us who are entrepreneurs by choice as against entrepreneurs by you know because they are forced to be entrepreneurs which many of people are uh, always have the safety net in nokri to mil jayegi one second is very rarely do you do a big capex business ki tum bada factory lagaoge 200 crore ye very rarely do you do a service business and you are just starting something and pretty much don't need anything right you just work harder and sweat smarter that's probably best you can do and that's what i did i had this very simple idea called learn at home where i used to sell send people to train people on computers at home this was like a long term training or like short term course to learn computers short term simple ms office like remember what what you just asked me before you started the call ki aapne ye kiya ke ye kiya ke you know a lot of people don't know how to answer that also right so just helping people use computers ms office internet email what nit was also doing at that time they also had this uh, but nit used to do it from a hardware and a engineering 
objective. Okay, NIT was not doing it from a usage objective. And the reason it started was I, my mom wanted to send me an email. And my, I told my dad, Aapsi he said, nahi, nahi, mm-hmm. You come fly down, I'll pay you to fly down from Bangalore to Bombay. And you train her and I'll pay you. I was like, interesting. There's a market here. But on a serious note, people are struggling with computing power. People are struggling with using computers. And uh, I, fo- I thought that I'll just send people to their homes, learn at home. So that's how it started. Oh, let me pause there. So that's how, how my journey started. Really, why not? Really, and this problem I faced because in in Wipro, very often I would be the friendly tech support guy, right? See, a lot of the tech support till that time were hardware tech support. You want a PC nahi chal raha hai, tumara internet connection nahi chal raha hai, but tum Excel me isko print kaise karoge? Kisi ko nahi pata. The net such tech support guy won't know, right? Tumko word me tumko mail mail karna hai, kisi ko koi pata nahi hai sir. Right? The tech support guy is not configured to handle that. The actual usage of the computing power. I mean, the reason you bought the computer was to use the damn thing for your objective. And there was nobody supporting you for that. They only supporting you to keep it running. So I would fool around myself. You know, I would say, kaise ho I would read up help. I would do some stuff. And I'll figure it out. So I would become the informal tech support guy. Saying, hey, isko putle, ko karte so I realized maybe there's something here. People are struggling with computing power. So I think that's how it started. But it doesn't sound like a very profitable business. I mean, you're selling a you can't charge very exorbitant amounts also if you want to scale it up. So, well, we should charge 750 rupees for four hours of training back in 1998. Okay, and people used to go home. And so, of course, you know, like always, I, I had this thing that with lifetime value, we'll send something else, you know, the usual stuff here. This time for the plan to it. But, uh, but yeah, it was not scalable, but it was the business that made sense to me, and I just started it. And uh, then as we started that, uh, I, I also started worrying about scalability. And I found that after I trained somebody, that person, I had a three, four people working with me later on. Uh, that person would email me saying, internet but a printout is not Can you over email send me instructions? Because he or she knew that if I send my guy, I would charge them fund. And I would say, okay, I would write email. Like, one, two, three, four. I say, click here, click here. Pretty much help one on one. And uh, I said, interesting. So I went back to Wipro and said, look, you are selling PCs. Why don't you bundle a v- email email support pack into your PCs, home PCs? And whenever customers have a question, they can email right to me and I'll reply or email. Okay. So that suddenly took away the physical part. Then I started looking at that. I was talking to this uh, friend of mine who is now a partner in sports with G2 was in KP in the US. He had my SSA cut around 200 rupees per annum money charge kiya vikro ko. Oh, email support ke liye. So he said that email support kar raha hai, PC kar raha hai, printer kar raha hai, to Americans ke liye kar, Indians ke liye kyo kar raha hai. 200 rupees ke 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 so that's when we got more to what we started a company called Q Support. We were one of the first remote tech support businesses. Later on, we called BPOs. But back then, there was not even a word called BPO in 1998. And we started Q Support. We had 100 people in Kodamangla, in BTM layout in Bangalore. 24 by 7 tech support. Four companies out of Chicago, San Diego. So your friend was doing customer acquisition and you were doing service delivery. No, no, no. He was just a friend. He just, just advised me saying... Nito, customer acquisition kaise kya apne? US customers India mein baat ke? Ah, we landed up. We had an office in New Jersey. We had an office in San Diego. San Jose. Yeah, how did you get the money to set up an office? And we raised angel funding. We raised angel funding. We raised okay. seed funding. We raised VC funding. But how did you... Wo, pura, malab, you understood all these concepts that I have business to do this funding. I have funding is the same thing. Like, you know, were you like that aware at that time? Yeah, like, how did it actually? Hmm. No, no, no. But then, uh, see, that, that, that's the thing, right? I mean, uh, the good news is that the problem that most of us face 99% of the time, somebody else has faced it in life. You're not doing it for the first time. 99% of the time. One, 1% might be very unique to you, but you don't face it, you face it. So I would just reach out to the network and, and figure out what happens right? And there are people who are willing to help. So one big learning I've had in my journey, I'd say that people are wanting to help. Not just willing, wanting to help, but somebody has to ask. The problem is nobody's asking. You'll find 
find that if you go out and ask for help, the floodgates are willing to open. Nobody is even knocking on the door with, with, of course, sincerity and not, you know, wasting my time and, you know, all those nice, obviously, hygiene things, right? You should be sincere and you should have your own homework and everything else. But after you've done your homework and you're struggling with some, with a the problem, there are people who say, hey, isko na aise kar. Ye kar le. and suddenly you're done. So I was fortunate to get a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, investors, friends, senior senior colleagues who were who maybe thought that I was sincere enough in this problem solving that they also you know helped in the way they could and I am hopefully I'm trying very hard to pay it forward people reach out and wherever I can I help so you uh, raised funds and you set up like a 100 plus member BPO unit like a pioneering BPO unit then what happened like you know why we I made the probably the I made probably the biggest mistake of my life uh, and I listened to an piece of advice that I should have listened I mean I've listened I've, I've got a lot of shitty advice but this one I listened. And the advice that I listened to was Swami, you have set up the company, you have got the early customers, you have raised funding, now you move on and do something else let somebody else run this company. This is in the middle of the dot-com bust. Okay? And uh, like I said, I heard a lot of shitty advice. This one I heard, I listened to. And I got carried away by this thing of serial entrepreneur ki ek shiru kar liya, dusra kar liya, and all that nonsense. Okay? The shittiest piece of advice in the Anyway, I keep telling people not to go down. But, so, what happened with that, Akshay, was there was a time where the business was not obviously doing well because dot-com bust and Dantaniyar and all that. But we still had enough revenue. Of course, we had more than revenue ka cost because we were trying to grow. But we are not a zero revenue company, right? So what we should have done, what I should have done, is I should just cut all my indirect costs so that my indirect cost is equal to less and than my what were the indirect costs? People. Mainly people. People and some travel and marketing and sales. Well, you had become flabby as an organization, you're saying. Right? Like you could have Not flabby. We were designed for growth. And the market just uh, tanked, no? This is a dot-com bust. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, one yeah. Hmm. The market just tanked. Market just tanked. So we were designed for growth and suddenly the market tanked. So I should have just shut, cut my costs. Instead, I chose to step away and hire a CEO and say, <laughs> chala. Okay. Now what happens with that is, and that's again, and that's the biggest mistake I've made in my life. But what happens with that is, you know, everybody's baby is nobody's baby. So there are investors, there are board members, there are CEO, there's a core team. And everybody is thinking for himself only. The CEO is thinking about his next job. Core team is thinking about the next job. Investors are thinking about the portfolio. They have one in ten, right? Their success. And maybe you're not the one in ten. So this baby is nobody's baby. What was your stake in it? I was probably at 15-20%. But I think it's not about ownership stake. It's not this it's not an equity issue. I think it's an ownership issue. Let's, I think let's distinguish the two, right? The, it's an ownership issue. It has to be somebody's baby. And somebody is to say to Bajo Ato right? And that person is always in my mind. I mean, not always, let me correct that. Is the real co-founder a founder? That could be somebody who joined yesterday, okay? It could be somebody who joined yesterday, not somebody who started it 20 years ago. But if that person has the ownership to say, you know what, I will take care of this. While everybody is figuring out their next steps, right? <laughs> right? Somebody has to say, this is my baby. And, and at that point, I was not there. I, I made a mistake. And finally, long story short, the company shut down. And within 15 months of the company shutting down, there were 1,000 to 2,000 people, hmm, tech support right. teachers. Yeah, around 2002, the whole boom started with GE and yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. yeah. And I remember Rajesh Jain coming to our office and when he was after the India world, he sold to CP and he was an investor for CP. And I remember him asking me, Somil Vipro, India's largest uh, IT company. Vipro ke baas, tech support ke log hai. Tell me the business logic. No, Rajesh Kola, Rajesh, hai. I can't argue with you, but something is yeah, kus to hai. What you're saying is true. It's it's just data, right? I can't argue with data. But yeah, kus to hai, kus to iska. I, I didn't know BPO at the time. The word didn't exist. But yeah, kus to hai. Now I should have just stayed with it. So my biggest learning into Sports Village or even not even Sports Village into when I got out of that and of course it was very intense. You know, failure is a very intense intense experience and and our education system doesn't prepare you for it. I was not prepared for it. I have never failed in my life. I have done reasonably well, you know, barring some girlfriends here and there. Suddenly you've done reasonably well in life. <laughs> but you know, and then suddenly you have this thing which failure is stark. You can't negotiate with this failure. Company bandhu hui. 
that's it i mean you can't negotiate with it right you can't say oh, by the way no this by the way no that and that's when i realized that the, i should have just stuck on with it so i had a few key learnings one was that when if what you're offering fundamentally makes sense to a consumer or to the market fundamentally and that's the biggest if then just wait for the right time when the market wave happens and when the market wave happens like from 100 became 5000 people bpl you will also get carried by the market wave you don't have to do anything smarter but as an entrepreneur you can only make the market wave well you cannot be the market wave as an you can stay alive right you can only convince investors to invest in you convince startup your co-founder to stay along convince the early team members to stay and they have all the belief and all that right market aayega jab aayega market doesn't care how smart you are market doesn't care how well you are funded market doesn't care how big is your market will buy when the market is willing to buy so there's no this notion of which i think is the most powerful weapon that we have but we never use is in think or time so i told myself whatever i choose to do next i will give myself as much time as required i will take my time to figure out what it should but once i commit as long as it takes dekhte hain right we'll solve the problem and again with the fundamental provider if what you're offering makes fundamental sense then the model will emerge so in that uh, 2001 to 3 period like oh, you know when you when you heard the advice that you take a back seat and do your next venture what was it that uh, you were doing at that time then i i i felt that so i thought of myself as a tech entrepreneur actually so i i i thought ki yaar mere the reason the business didn't work as well was because i did not have my own relationship with the market in the us in the tech business so i said let me build my own tech relationships so i found uh, somewhere when anyway, i found a job uh, in the bay area where i was managing partnerships for a uh, uh, internet switching software company for with intel marvel and all these guys it was in india company but i was managing the partnerships so i was in the bay area in the tech world and i was networking with people and meeting people so no maine kiya but i couldn't do it beyond that and i quit so my wife and i sold our stuff in the in bangalore we moved to us we bought uh, stuff in the house we bought a car and nine months we stole stuff in the house sold the car and came back to bangalore I just couldn't do it. I just needed the entrepreneurial. I just had to be a known again. Okay. Well, if you had tasted blood in a way, so job, but there was. I, yeah, these are you know they are very colorful, uh, <laughs> colorful uh, <laughs> metaphors. Maybe yeah. it is. I don't know. But I I know that I was extremely restless. I was just not at peace. And my wife said, "Look, what's the point of being in the US if you're so restless and not at peace?" And what happened though, on a serious note, was I did spend time in the US in trying to find a you know start a company and all that. So I went and met people. That's what you normally do, right? And you think your ideas are going to be so. And as I met people, I found everybody asking me about India. And I would introduce them to this, introduce them to suddenly, and so everybody was latching onto my Indian network. Well, I was in the Bay Area asking for ideas to do in the Bay Area. And so I asked myself, "What the hell is happening? If the value that I have is in India, my network is in India." Should I be starting a venture in India? Why am I doing it in India? So as an entrepreneur, the only thing you bring to the table is the ability to sweat smarter, your credibility, reputation, therefore your network. Right? People are willing to pick up the phone and call. People are willing to put in a word for you. People are willing to open the door for you. Our Mira network was in India, so I said, let's just come back to India. So we came back. We had no idea what we were going to do, uh, but we said India, we will do something. I started. I joined a friend startup to help him some early early time, but I was very clear over time I'll do something on my own. Yeah, so then, then uh, I was, I was again. I thought about myself tech, tech entrepreneur. I kept thinking of ideas around technology and internet and all that stuff. And this friend of mine, Jay Shankar, and I were. He was with me in Q Support, my earlier venture. And uh, so my earlier the tech support venture was called Q Support. And uh, you know, so Jay and I were together at the time, and so he and I were fooling around with ideas. So whiteboard to get started, right? We spent a full afternoon. It was fun. As we were leaving that room. Jay said, "Yeah, uh, I wish there were more kids for kids to play." So I said, "I didn't have kids that time." So I said, "Why? What happened?" So he said, "My son Siddharth, who then was six years old, uh, Siddharth now, by the way, is in IIT Kanpur. <laughs> time flies." So Siddharth, he said, "Siddharth, I used to play with him. I said, 'Why not? There's no place to play. Let's talk about Bangalore.' I said, 'There's no place to play.' He said, 'There's no place to play.'" बाहर मेन रोड है या तो फिर कहीं गाड़िया पार्क है या तो यहाँ पे ओपन एरिया है वहाँ पे कचरा पड़ा हुआ है सेफ नहीं है ग्लास टूटा हुआ है कहाँ जाए खेलने को 
घास लगाएंगे उस पर और फिर वहां पर बच्चे आएंगे पेरेंट्स के साथ खेलेंगे सौ दो सौ रुपए देंगे so uh, you had no money uh, then how did you like actually execute the idea so we went out and uh, raised money for friends and family and and in hindsight i think uh, we probably did uh, uh, a very smart thing uh, which is that uh, it was jay's idea not mine which is that we went and said to a bunch of our friends yaar ek do lakh do this night is 2003 okay एक लाख दो लाख दो ज्यादा मत सो वी रेस्ट ऑन 35 और लाख फ्रॉम 15 20 पीपल नाउ डू नीड अ स्मार्ट बिकॉज़ ऑब्वियसली वी टुक आवर टाइम टू फिगर आउट द मॉडल एंड वी कंप्लीट द मनी एंड यू नो सो लेट्स सी इफ आई हैड टेकन 50 लाख फ्रॉम यू अक्षय इन 2003 यू वुड हैव बीन सिटिंग इन माय हाउस फॉर लास्ट टाइम्स की भैया पैसा था राइट वेयर आई इफ आई टेकन अ लाख फ्रॉम यू लाख एंड अ हाफ यू लाइक ठीक है मतलब एट वर्स्ट यू आर राइटिंग इट ऑफ राइट ठीक है फर्स्ट ऑल यू आर ट्राइंग टू डू समथिंग वर्स्ट केस ठीक है मतलब सो इन हाइंडसाइट इन हाइंडसाइट नॉट स्ट्रेटजी अगेन एंड मे बी जस्ट started to be fair it just worked for us we just took out the time phase at first right so there yeah, that's how we started we we had a ground in bangalore and uh, we thought we'll have a network of sports in across the country in every zip code of the country a partnering with real estate guys by an apartment complex there in school owners after school it was all meant to be after school evening the academy you know. Mm-hmm. and then uh, like how did the business uh, evolve like from running your own to uh, i think uh, eventually it was more about uh, schools as your customer so h- how did that evolve so yeah we, when we started out we were meant to be a noun you know we were noun now we are a verb so a noun is a place right we meant to be a set of places we sports village when we started out to three was meant to be a place now we are a verb we are a service we deliver a program we don't have our own place at all we partner with schools we partner with academies we partner with you know brands csr donors government but we don't have our own place at all You don't have a single place. So, like, uh, how many years did it take you to figure yeah. out so, that uh, you need to be like a asset light, जो आज के लिंगो में asset light model. ये ये सब words हमने सुने नहीं थे तो इसे बाद में you know these are all outside in words. Okay, you're asset light. Okay, you're asset light. That time we just had to figure out figure out a bloody model है कि मतलब पैसा कैसे बनेगा. Asset heavy or asset light or बाद में. So uh, 
so 2003 to 2008 was our huge experimentation phase and remember you know in hindsight we call it experimentation at that point every experiment we did we felt was the one yahi hai ye chalne wala hai ye chalega of course it chalega and every time we had excel sheet where we would become millionaires in like 18 months and <laughs> right so i think the i think the, the issue uh, is around uh, No, we thought that we'll get access to real estate everywhere. It didn't happen. So then we went to apartment complex thinking, "What to do?" That didn't work out. Then we tried to hire a small hall for small kids to play. That didn't work out. Then we tried to sell tickets for the World Cup. Then we tried to do two sports tours. Then we did built an app thinking this back to one eight social media. This is before Facebook and Twitter, which have will help people to find other people to play with and all that stuff. तो फाइट तो बहुत मारा है लाइक आई सेड यू सी प्रॉब्लम टू सॉल्व एंड वी लाइक सॉल्व करेंगे इसको एंड देन फाइनली 2008 एंड इज व्हेन आई सेड लुक सो वन थिंग दैट डिड वर्क टू अ स्मॉल एक्सटेंड वाज कॉर्पोरेट्स इन स्पोर्ट्स वेयर कॉर्पोरेट्स वर सेंड यूजिंग अस फॉर सम एचआर टीम बिल्डिंग सम इवेंट्स सम इंटर कॉर्पोरेट इंट्रा कॉर्पोरेट एम्प्लॉय एंगेजमेंट सो अस अ सेल्स प्रमोशन सो अ मार्केटिंग प्रोजेक्ट्स इज लाइक अ स्पोर्ट्स इवेंट मैनेजमेंट दैट बिकेम वन पार्ट ऑफ अ बिजनेस ओके जीतूंग And that's how we divided our work also. Jitu focused on the event business, but he felt passionate about that as a as a revenue stream. And I said, yeah, that is not solving the problem that I wanted to solve. Let me still keep looking for solution. So we configured the business different way. We created multiple entities. He had a higher equity in that entity. I had a lower equity. We did all kinds of stuff so that you know there is freedom. Otherwise, क्या होता है? You are just you know uh, there's not enough happening, and you're kind of fighting more than doing. So we said, okay, you do. Let's let's align, but let's go our own ways, and then figure out in the future how do we come back together. And uh, so I tried a few models, app and tickets and everything else. And finally, in two thousand eight, and I decided to knock on school doors. And frankly, it was just another of the <laughs> idea. It was not like, and we said we will. But one important thing we said is we will not do after-school academies. We will do in-school program. कि आपका school का जो PE class है वो आप हमको outsource करो. तो after-school academy चला नहीं था. So one important thing that I realized and again maybe some of my education background is to get credit for that. इसके यार वो ही गलती एक बार कर ली वो वो गलती फिर से नहीं करें. अब नई गलती करें. You know, but the after-school academy didn't work in 2005. There's no point going in 2008 and saying again after-school. So I remember meeting some school leaders in 2008, 9, and they said, "Huh, good idea, Mr. Samuel. Why don't you start with the after-school academy? The next year we'll see in school." And I would say, "No, sir. After-school, I don't want." And they would look at me and say, "Pagal hai kya? I'm giving you a chance to do after-school academy in school." You're saying no, but like, you know, <laughs> and I would say, "Nahi, karna. That just didn't work." And uh, so that was one uh, one piece that started getting some traction. Of course, it was tough. We waited also principals cabins for hours, not met, being not even then not got a meeting. We tried to use our degrees to get a meeting. We did all kinds of stuff. But slowly, we felt that we did have a model which had a unit economics, which is of course profitable at a GM level, and a large addressable market, which, as you know, are the two uh, criteria for any scalable. Okay, so in a year, you you like how many schools did you sign up in in that year? Like nine to ten. Nine, you started this. So, ten or twelve schools, ten or twelve schools, and uh, uh, that's when seed fund, which is early stage fund, Bharti Jaika, Pravin Gandhi, Mahesh, they invested in us. And Bharti Jaika was paid by had invested in my early venture and Q support also. So they knew of me as an entrepreneur, and uh, you know they made the mistake of giving the same entrepreneur again, and I made the mistake of taking the same investor again. uh but uh, they were kind enough to invest and uh, that's how what was called edu sports started separately as a brand as a company and that kind of we were able to raise money from because that model was scalable and parallelly jitu uh, ran sports consult uh, which was the events marketing sport what you call experiential sports marketing business now uh, where we work with brands and leagues and governments to do large scale events again to help them achieve their goals through sports 
So, so that both of those journeys continued, and then 2015, uh, Gaza Capital, which is in the private equity uh, investor in India, they invested in Edusport. They bought out all the older older investors, and that's the time when we kind of brought the sports consult business together again. While it was at arm's length, we pulled all together, and we said, okay, what do we call this combined entity now? Because otherwise, it will Edus Sports and Sports Consult. And uh, I said, look, earlier it was Sports Village, why don't we call it Sports Village? So now again, this combined entity got formed. because of the Gaza capital investment and it became sports in 2015 now yes. so uh, tell me about the unit economics that you figured out that this is making sense like what what was your pitch to a school what did you charge them and what was your investment in delivering that so so our pitch to school was sports and education do you agree or not i mean i'm saying it a bit rudely but you say it to the politely and obviously do you agree Uh, yes, sports education, and I would say, okay, if you think sports education that runs sports the way core education is run, how do you run maths or science? You have a curriculum, you have textbooks, you have daily lesson plans, you have assessment for each child, you have parent interaction, you have a report card. The child is not doing well, gets more attention, right? All this stuff happens, but in sports, you're saying sports education, but in sports you don't have a curriculum, you don't have lesson plans, you don't have a trained teacher. You don't spend time on the weaker kids. You instead spend time with the with the smarter kids. You don't have a report card. You don't have a democratic way of assessing your program. So you're just saying sports education, not doing it. So they would say, okay, what do you have? We say, okay, we have exactly this. We have curriculum, we have assessment, we have training. So that's how it started. So we said, look, we are here to help a school leader deliver sports as part of it. Like, how much time did it take you to? Get all these things in place. Like, did in two thousand nine, ten, when you were pitching, were you pitching this exact thing, or this like took a couple of years to? Reach? No, no, no. It's all, it's all evolution. It's all evolution. It's all evolution. It's all like I said, hindsight, everything is strategy. I still remember in two thousand. See, when we first started, we thought we'll only be a training and consulting company. We'll not even have our own trainer delivering the program. Okay, we thought we'll training will no, train the teachers. Teacher class will do some data. Called me and said, and said, Mr. Samuel, a senior proposal. I like what you're doing. Uh, I said, very good. I said, look, order will arrive. So, who will you send to deliver the curriculum? So I said, ma'am, who will I send? What do you mean? You have five PE teachers. I will train them. She said, no, Mr. Samuel, that won't work. I said, ma'am, you have five PE teachers, and until that time, we didn't even think about hiring our own team. Okay, they thought like, can't hire them. So then, after the thirty second or two and four, she looked at me. Look, I still remember. She looked me in the eye. I said, "Mr. Samuel, I like what you're doing. I hope you succeed. But if you don't send your own trained staff, even if I buy the program this year, I can assure you that the books will lie in the library gathering dust. I can assure you it will not be implemented. And next year, when the management asks me the question, I will be able. I will have to say, sorry, we can't do it. So choice is yours. And in that moment, I said, okay, ma'am, we'll send you staff. I had no clue how to hire staff. I had no clue how to train staff. I had no clue how to deliver it but i could feel the customer you know the classic early adopter saying do this and i'll buy from that i like what you're doing i see you're sincere i like your product but your product has this feature missing add this feature and i'll buy from you and i said okay that and that meant meant a completely different business model from a technology consulting company to become a service delivery right we we i mean before covid as of march the first we had almost 2000 people on our roads because we were training running a program mm-hmm. for 200 so for each school you would have like a couple of Yes, each each school we would have uh, a trainer at least at least one. Some school we had six or seven trainers. So, uh, so we just moved from a technology consulting company to a service. So this was in two thousand ten that you hired your first trainer. Two thousand nine. So yeah, to your question, the the unit economics was uh, curriculum, uh, assessment, trainer, PTMs, events, sports days, and uh, if the school was spending around two or lakhs, two and a half lakhs a year, they would with us. They would spend six and a half seven lakhs a year. 
were not a cheaper outsourcing model. We were a model to help them deliver on the promise that they were already making of sports and education, but not really delivering. Right? And of course, the context was that you know neighborhood playgrounds were disappearing. Therefore, parents did not have the options of getting kids playing. Therefore, school became the only option. So, you know, a lot of this is about timing, right? I mean, you know, beyond a point, as as I'm sure you've seen the studies, the largest determinant of success of ventures is timing. Which is when in the market a bunch of forces come together that just sets it up for the venture to have succeed. So your monetization of a school was it just the school only paying that six lakhs, or did you also have uh, yeah, yeah like outside school hours programs for which parents would pay directly? Ha, so originally yeah originally we had only in school because we wanted to focus on it and get strong enough on it and build it. Then as we built further, we added the co sport business and the partnership. Uh, we came together in the sports village for the after school model. We had our own events and leagues in the, on the weekends. Uh, we added. Sports tools. So the idea was that we help kids on their entire sports journey. Sports as a part of education is the fundamental, like physical literacy. After which there are different levels of engagement in terms of uh, weekend participation, inter-school tournaments, talent, and so on. So the idea was to, as sports village, the idea was to help. I mean, how do we get 100 million kids to play? And not everybody needs to get better in com- competition every time. You could just play the same level and just have fun for the rest of your life. Okay. And uh, so where are are you present like you know where, where do most of your customers uh, like 250 odd locations across the country but, but where are you strong in like what are your top uh, states well uh, Tamil Nadu Karnataka NCR Punjab Gujarat uh, Maharashtra I mean, I think there are a few that we're not strong at but pretty much we're spreading okay so uh, I want to understand how you learn to build an organization i mean you know so managing five people 10 20 people even up to 50 100 people you had done in the past although it was single location now you have the challenge of multiple location one or two people per location uh, multiple states all over the country so you know uh, how did you build this kind of an organization with such a remote distributed workforce uh, i'm assuming there would be very little oversight on what a trainer is doing in a school uh, just because i mean you know you can't have uh, like one supervisor to one trainer and so you know how did you solve this organization building challenge so one thing that helped us in particular i mean if you look at sports like one part of it was the school business where the solution was actually the school itself because our program was happening in a very structured environment for the school. Right? The school had a timetable, the school had a coordinator, the school had you know, supervisors. So we would also enable them with audit sheets so they could review it themselves. So so we, we 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 provided the lesson plans and the curriculum to them. So that they could just open the book and say, ye hona tha, ye ho hai. Right, so that was one second. Of course, we had for one in ten, we had a, a delivery manager, we had a traditional manager, so we had a Second, we used fair amount of technology in the back. Like, you know, how did you build these people? Like, how did you build trainers? How did you build a delivery manager? These are not off the shelf resources. No, I mean, you can. No, of course, we hired and we trained and we spent time. As, as in, you, you like created an academy to train coaches and. Yeah, well, academy as well. Yeah, I mean, we, we trained. We trained them. Academy, this academy, and this we go. But yeah, we trained. We went to office and we did more training. So, uh, uh, what about your like middle management layer? Like, you know, your state heads and like, how did you create that layer? Like, people who would probably be. So, in the beginning, we centralized it. In the beginning, it was centralized. So, some of us would play those roles. And then over time, we hired people. Uh, again, in the beginning, it was a lot of personal network. People who fundamentally had a managerial capability, but need not have a technical capability or the domain knowledge. And now, over time, it's been a lot more domain knowledge. And even a lot of us, I mean, we spent a lot of time. All the training and all that. A lot of our teams are actually homegrown. So, like right now, as we speak, our head of product for uh, school uh, started with hmm. the trainer. Okay. So, uh, essentially, like uh, uh, becoming a trainer was like a gateway to multiple functions and roles within the organization. Like you would. Yeah, I mean that uh, our our culture was that of course meritocracy, but we said let's give our 
the internal guys a chance first before hire them out. The benchmarks are not going to reduce, but maybe some time might be given more. But if the existing guy can do it in two extra months, we'll give him a chance. And how did you use technology to scale up? So, not backend technology was on the front because it was a very physical experience of getting kids to play. But we, we used uh, SMS based reporting in the beginning so that all the lesson plan execution was reported. We used an app to upload assessment based data, assessment data. So, see, as a, to give you an example, if I do assessment 500 kids and our assessment had roughly eight parameters, uh, I would be tracking 4,000 data points for school for assessment right? into 100 schools or 1,000 schools to the map. So, suddenly the amount of data that Coming in. And then we are processing, processing data to say last year can't hunt for check improvement work in the UI, fitness question care, ski question care, so the usual analytics you would do on any other data. So we developed it ourselves. And uh, yeah, so that's. And but like your trainers had like a mobile app or something where they could input data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, okay. And uh, so, you know, what is like the uh, out of your total addressable market? I mean, you know, maybe not every school would be a customer for you. What is the, what is your percentage reach? Like, you know, how how much have you penetrated? <laughs> no, no, see, this is a, this is a huge market. And, and we are right now at around, at private schools, we are at around 800 private schools. There are only CBSE has around 2,500 private schools. CBSE. ICSE so this this market is not a market size problem. The problem is a market access problem because decision making is you know trusty principles, take time, long time, all the long. So now I think you know we have got a fair amount of credibility enough. So now people think of school, they don't call us. So how the selling is easier. Well, pre-COVID. But yeah. It's the exhibition. Now we reach the exhibition problem. If you remember, I told you earlier, one is to figure out the model, second to scale the model. I think now we reach the problem of scaling the model. Model works. Model is profitable. Now how do you scale it with least friction? So I'm trying to find a lazy solution to it. <laughs> and you're working with the governments also? Like directly with state governments and all for their schools? Yes, 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 yes. So there, uh, yes, we are. We are government for the in-school program, school program, but also we are also a vocational uh, service provider, VTP Office Training Partner for NHTC. So in eight states, we run the vocational training program in 50 or schools for PE and sports. When kids choose the ninth and tenth standard for PE and sports education, our trainers will deliver them. So, you know, what do you think is the the way to go from 1500 to 15,000? So, uh, I think the, the network effect at one level has to, and that has started to begin with So, not more schools are community looking at sports and integral part of education beyond just the namesake stuff. So, I think the, the real issue is access, and the issue is how do you get the parent community to demand a better sports program? So, in private schools, the parents demand stuff will happen, the parents don't demand. If you want to call it, become the and that's why I think this whole NEP is also aligned well. I mean, we talked about play based So I think, I think it feels like the timing is just falling right in terms of policy, in terms of parents' concerns. As they deal with now, COVID, the whole health and fitness community question. And therefore, sports will become one thing now. But we are also trying to leverage across uh, the academy business, across the brand business, to see how we get budgets for brands to help it with their program. Sorry, you you've not spoken about the brand's business. Uh, what is the brand's business? That is the corporate part, right? We want mm-hmm. to do with corporates. Uh, but you started mm-hmm. an engagement, it is now over time evolved into helping brands achieve their different objectives uh, of engaging consumers through sports and programs. So we do some of the largest and huge sports programs in part of Hello India, which is the Reliance Foundation in sports. Mm-hmm. 
the schools provide a sustainable and scalable way and economical way to access skills. If you design a program, it is integrated to education. So, so we are also looking at finding ways to align these two goals and brand on these skills in a good way. Or the schools want to provide support in the good way. Kids want the sports good way. They didn't want to. Is there a way to connect the dots on the web? So, early days, like CSR, we're doing a lot of work where we are amazing companies who are investing in education as part of the CSR objective. Telling them that add a layer of sports to their education investment, so the efficacy of their education investment depends. So that's also we're seeing a lot of traction there. What is it that uh, you are currently excited about? You know, wh- what is some interesting challenge? Uh, like, of course, there is a bigger juicy problem that you're solving. But within this, what is like a at a more micro level, something which you are excited to solve as a problem or something you're excited to learn? So I think this COVID situation has created an opportunity of using technology in digital in a way that has never happened. And I'm trying really hard to figure out how to do this to achieve the objective of getting. And uh, towards that, we made a few few initiatives. We have this notion of home visiting playground. And therefore, we launched our own live interactive service for active clubs, which is a B2C service. We are a 2,000 hours paid subscribers on it. It's logging and it's a live interactive system. It's on multiple sports, fun, fun, fitness, yoga, martial arts, in the home. For schools, we launched a play at home, which again directly will live online classes with either homes. For schools to deliver health and fitness for the students. Did you lose customers due to COVID? Uh, uh, because schools have been under pressure. Yeah, a lot of schools. Yeah, yes, yes. Lose as in people have said, look, when things come back, we'll re engage again. So we've kind of put pause right now. But yes. So, digital is a pure question. How do you use technology and digital? Because this, this COVID, while it's a very big pain, has created this opportunity to use digital in a way that people are willing to accept with it. And how do we deliver sports programs? So, we're doing that with even during COVID time, our CSR program that are meeting communities that will generate access. So, we found a way to deliver. Physical model like offline and online. So a very interesting, very interesting way of using technology in digital to still achieve the same goal of getting to play. Which before COVID, we were a very physical company, but COVID has given us the opportunity to do a transformation. So that's really exciting. And hopefully, that can then see once that works, you can then address the whole world. And as we speak, our active customers are from some seven different countries. So they found us and they're signing up with us. So, so suddenly, the digital the whole world can be so yeah i mean you had those years of uh, like one was i can say in a way where you were experimenting and failing and experimenting and failing uh, so you know how did you sustain yourself then So I think the way, like I said at the beginning, the time as the weapon that we don't value enough was one thing that And once you remove, see, I think that in entrepreneurship and personally most founders, when they start out, there's this unstated time limit of five to seven years. Right? It's very unstated, very implicit, nobody talks about it. But hey, now what happens with that is if your first, if your first uh, experiment didn't work and you used up your money and you're getting to the value of death, right? And then coming out of it can take two to three years again. Suddenly out of five to seven years, you used up two to three years. And then you only have two to three years left now, right? And therefore you do something stupid. You either go and try and raise a ton of money, thinking that money can solve your problem. Or you, you know, give up and say, you're raining around. All because of a very artificial notion of five to seven years of like, time required to build a business. Like my view is that it takes 15 to 20 years to build something really valuable, right? So therefore, take your time to decide what you want to do. But once you decide to stay with it, now I'll answer your other questions. Is how did we survive from that? The good news uh, says that, you know, again, people who are entrepreneurs have choice. Uh, once you decide then it's actually a cash flow problem, right? Because you need to find a way to run your house. So, and I have done this. I have done part-time consulting with friends. I have done 
that's the easiest way right and you can get easily work for let's say part time with a friend and earn enough to run your house and do your venture beside so i've done that i have taken loans i have delivered my equity uh, i have done all of that with the idea that i and my family should get a certain living standard which i don't want to talk about but that means at the end of the whole thing i have lesser equity than i should i could have had that's fine so journey is equally important at this stage so once you think about the cash flow problem then it's very easy to solve cash flow problems just to you know, do a part time profit thing or cut your cost and you, you can't go to switzerland every second month you go to goa that's it right so it's only difficult and that's why it comes back to the main question of how badly do you want to solve this problem how juicy is it right and that to me that's just one number starting point and if it's not juicy enough things when things get tough you will end up asking the question why am i doing this and and i i, I think there is a notion of opposite cost that works in all these conversations ki market with na will drive the basket with na will drive to kya kar raha hai but there is also the notion that i think people should remember which is this notion of opportunity cost or not really what i mean by that is not just the passion and the you know mother of apple pie that I'm talking and following my dream and all that stuff right no. what i mean is that if you give it enough time it's assuming again if you go back to the first conversation assuming you're to offering something that fundamentally makes sense like in my view getting kids to play fundamentally is a value now to find a model around it so fundamentally makes sense and if you give it enough time and if you experiment and try you will at some point find the right model and then at some point the market will come when that happens it might take 5 years but it can be in our case take 17 years so working working progress when that happens all your opportunity cost will get more than compensated by that one product market fit in the market is come you know because under the opportunity cost is x amount of salary every month into number of years right but even if you let's say own 10% of a company which is really achieving this product market fit and do the math 10% of the valuation of the company you will easily more than compensate the category in itself apart from the fact that you learn start earning salary after some time and you know, start to get to know your right so therefore the opportunity cost of not doing it is that you could have achieved your financial objectives although with some delayed gratification and done what you really wanted to do then why won't you do it right and and my question to myself was that if you think you are so smart and all of us think we are smart then solve the problem without compromising on the opportunity cost see building a business while compromising opportunity is the easiest thing to do right i followed my passion i earned one tenth of what i could earn but i followed my passion what's the big deal in that if you are so smart find a way to follow your passion and build a business and earn more than what you earn in a salary at least or ideally and make a ton of money that is the problem you should solve you know if you're so smart so that of course is everybody's dream but uh, you know what what you said is it, it, it's like it's what every aspiring entrepreneur has as his dream na ki mujhe uh matlab fun bhi chahiye paisa bhi chahiye aur naam bhi chahiye ha problem hai ki wo time nahi de raha log time nahi dete usko problem wohi hai and the time the problem with time scarcity is not created by entrepreneurs it's created by the investor community and the, the notion ki 5 saal saal mein kar lo otherwise why because funds have a five seven year other way nobody written in stone no god has said in uh, 2000 2010 uh, when you raised uh, from seed fund uh, are they still investors with you have they had that level of patience no they they got to exit with no they got okay. to exit with okay. and now gaja of course you want to exit but remember investors need mm-hmm. to exit you don't have to right if you think you have no mm-hmm. cash flow and if exit comes then of course that's a, that's a choice to make but uh, my point to you was that the time as a notion is a opportunity or mm-hmm. argument mm-hmm. and opportunity cost counters opportunity cost should not be it and the base level cash flow is a really manageable problem yeah sounds so uh, think of time as the uh, ultimate problem. sounds easy when you say it <laughs> but uh, i'm i'm sure when you're in the thick of things uh, actually going through cash flow crisis ke main rent kaise dunga next mahine ka type of problems you know this reminds me reminds me of this uh, you know, i did this erosion monitoring course in 1995 okay uh, after my mb and uh, so uttarakashi mein hai and i am and then we were learning snow craft ice craft and all that 18000 feet pe camp hai hum and it's like minus 30 in the night really cold cold freezing uh, our our say instructor was sherpa called marbu sir okay uh, 
जितना देखना है देख लो जब तुम प्लेन पे जाओगे ना तो फ्रीजर खोल के खरोद खरोद के खाओगे तो इसका ऐसे ही है दर्द हो रहा है बट वेन यू लीव इट लाइक So that was Sawmill telling us how he built Sports Village, one of the largest youth sports platform. If you'd like to know more, log on to sportsvillage.com. That's s p o r t z village.com. like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m . i n for a complete list of all our shows this was an hd smartcast original hd smartcast Log on to hdsmartcast.com to listen to more such podcasts.